Hello, everyone. Welcome back to I See What You're Saying, the Disciplined Listening Podcast. I'm Michael Reddington, and today it is my pleasure to introduce our next guest, retired detective Rich Wastocki. Now, we've been very fortunate with the amazing lineup of people who have agreed to come on to the show and share their thoughts, their expertise, their experiences with us. And I'm so grateful for all of that. Even with the amazing lineup of people that we've had, this might be the most important conversation we've recorded so far because it is all about keeping children safe. And for all of the success we want to have personally and professionally, I don't know that there's anything more important than that. Retired Detective Wastocki has 28 years of law enforcement experience. During that time, he had a focus on cybercrime. He had a focus on juvenile crime. He was on the Secret Service Cybercrime or Computer Crime Task Force. He was also a SWAT sniper. And now he dedicates himself to keeping children safe online. He has his own company. He does lots of consulting work and speaking all around the country. He works with and has partnerships with numerous organizations and companies across the country, different law enforcement agencies. And he has dedicated himself to doing everything he can to get his message out to help protect kids and families and then ensure that when they are unfortunately victimized, that the investigations are done properly, expeditiously, and the criminals are caught and brought to justice. He speaks to parent groups. He speaks with children. He speaks in schools often, community groups, church groups, businesses. He's constantly out there getting the message across. He's a frequent guest on multiple news stations. And in this conversation, I am so thankful that he took the time to share so many things in, in over an hour. I think our conversation went just north of 60 minutes, but he talks about best practices for keeping kids safe online. And that's just not on the internet, but on their all of their technologies, their video games, their phones, their computers, everything. He talks about some mistakes that parents unknowingly make when they talk to these kids about it, both up front as their efforts to try to keep them safe. And then after the fact, when something might've happened, but the good news is he doesn't just go over the mistakes. We also talk through opportunities on how to have those conversations in a way that lead to creating the open communication we need in order to help keep our kids safe before, and then God forbid, during or after they might be selected as a potential victim by a predator. Speaking of predators, he shares some red flags, things to look out for for potential predators. He also talks about red flags, things to look for in our kids if they might be experiencing somebody who is looking to abuse them or take advantage of them or separate them from their family, from their friends, from their safety group, their security group. Please take the time to listen to this conversation in full. He's going to not only talk about best practices, not only go through how we can improve our mistakes, but he's going to go through any number of different techniques, any number of companies you can partner with, any number of programs you can use to help monitor your kids, keep your kids safe, and ways to approach the conversations. I'm very grateful he took the time, and please invest the time to listen into this conversation, even if you take one thing away that can help keep your children or children of another family that you love and you're close with safe. Please take a listen to everything that he has to say. 
Of course, we want to thank our sponsors, Humantel. Head over to humantel.com, check out all of their research, all of their writing. And once you're comfortable with the scientific backing of what they do, dive into their training and participate in that whichever online program you think is best for you, self-paced to identify what people are likely thinking and feeling based on identifying their emotions and when those emotions are changing through their facial expressions and body language in real time. Developing the skill unlocks a treasure trove of intelligence, helps us build rapport, connect with people, develop empathy. It's so important. Head over to humantel.com and enter the code INQUASIVE25 for 25% off any of their online training. I highly recommend it. Vouch for it myself. Please also head over to the International Association of Interviewers at certifiedinterviewer.com. That's when you can explore all of their online resources, all of their research that they have available, their networking opportunities, all of their educational events, both online and in person. You can see the full schedule. You can also dive into the additional benefits for you and your team and check out the certified forensic interviewer designation while you're there. Is that something that you qualify for? Is that something that's appropriate for where you, where you are currently in your career or where you would like to get you in your career? All of that and more available at certifiedinterviewer.com. And while you're at it, please head over to Inquasive.com. Over at Inquasive.com, that's where you can learn more about the customized programs we facilitate for our clients when they reach out and ask us to partner with their leadership teams, their sales teams, their HR teams, and beyond to teach them the skills, perspectives, and techniques necessary to encourage people to share sensitive information under vulnerable circumstances in the face of consequences. You can see all those programs and more over at Inquasive.com. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this conversation. Detective Wostocki, thank you so much for having this conversation with us. So without further ado, I introduce to you, Detective Rich Wostocki. Good morning, Detective Wostocki. How are you, sir? Good morning. How are you today? Thanks for having me. Hey, thank you for being here. I'm doing very well. And I've been extremely fortunate to talk to a wide range of phenomenal people with great insights to share this could very well be the most com important conversation that I've ever had the chance to have with somebody because nothing is more important than keeping our children safe. And not only has your career in law enforcement been focused on keeping people safe, but your specific expertise has been keeping children safe, especially online and more and more and more communication goes online. And I can even say as a parent, I'm not going to be able to keep up with what my kid knows how to do online. So I'm I'm behind out of the gate on how to do the single most important thing, which, which is keep my child safe. So I would love to cut right to the chase. This is an extremely important conversation. From your expertise, what are the most important things parents should be doing to keep their kids safe online? Well, parents have to understand the, the single foundational premise of technology talks and, and parenting. So uh, just a little background. Uh, I've been in law enforcement for 30 years. Now it's continuing as, as of recently. Um, I've arrested over 300 internet predators. Uh, I retired in 2018. Uh, I didn't want to retire in 2018, but kind of had to. I did this little thing called the TED Talk. And uh, when I did my TEDx, uh, it went viral. And I was getting called from schools all over the country uh, to send my message to them. Currently, I teach about 300,000 students across the country and parents. And when I talk to parents, here's the, here's some unfortunate things that stats that you have to understand in your, and your, your people that are part of your podcast. Um, so 1%, just 1% of the student body's parents, when I show up to do a parent 
cyber safety presentation, we'll show up to that presentation. Because the parents suffer from a deadly disease, right? It's called the NMK syndrome. And this NMK syndrome will set kids up for failure and then their kids become affected. So when I say NMK syndrome, um, you, you people really know what it is. Sometimes they don't know what it is. And that is not my kid. I don't need to go to that presentation because my kid would do, would, I didn't raise him that way. So he wouldn't get involved in that. Well, let me tell you the three things that will get your kids in trouble the most. So first off, I'm about to say something to you and to your parents that might make you upset. Maybe want to turn off the program, but I'm going to say it anyways, because I don't have a chief anymore. So here it goes. Um, all of your parents watching this podcast are responsible for your children. There, I said it. Shocking. So I hope you're not turning it off. See, you're not only responsible for their food, their clothing, shelter, and their education. You are responsible for their technology. I don't care if Nana, Nonu, Tia, Tiu, Grandma, Grandpa bought them that new iPhone 15 for Christmas. Guess what? They don't own it. In all 50 states, your kid owns nothing until they're 18. Nothing. So for you to give them a device to use and say, here's your device, that's wrong. It's the parents or the guardian's device. And this is where parents get crazy that, oh my God, it's theirs. They have, they, you know, it's, it's theirs, their own life. And no, that can't be because there's something called the frontal cortex of their decision-making brain, right? That's where they make their decisions. And we know that girls are not matured until they're 21 in the frontal cortex. And boys, it takes till they're 26 until their frontal cortex is fully matured. That, that's a, it's a medical fact. So here's number two. Number one is you're responsible for everything your kid does on their technology. Here's number two. There is no such thing as privacy for children. Please understand that, that a lot of parents think that, oh, I have to respect their privacy. No, you cannot. There should be no privacy. And those parents that set their kids up for failure that don't come to the internet safety presentations are missing the boat. So here's two things that parents make a mistake on when they allow their kid to have their own privacy. So when I teach sixth, uh, fifth, sixth, and seventh grade, how old are they about? I'm going to have to do math, which is embarrassing, but I'm going to say by the fifth grade, they're probably 10 years old. Yeah. So now I'm dealing with nine, 10, 11 year olds, right? And so when I go and teach in the schools, I say, how many guys got a TikTok? Yeah. How many guys got a Snapchat? Yeah. All right. Well, wait a minute. How are you in there if you have to be 13? Oh, you lied about your age, didn't you? And they all go like, ooh. So then I, I asked them, I said, how many of you created your TikTok or Snapchat and whined and whined and whined to your parents until they gave in? I'll get 10 kids raising their hands. How many of you did it behind your parents' back and you don't even care what they thought? I get 75% of them raising their hands. So let's examine this. Now, our kids are not the best mathematicians in the world. No offense, but they're not, usually because of core math, but I digress. So uh, what happens is they say, you know what? 
I'm going to get a TikTok. I don't even care what anybody says. So they put their name in. They put their phone number in. They put their email in to create the account. And wait, I got to put my date of birth in. Oh, wait. I know you got to be 13 or to have it. Let's see. I was born in 2012. Do I go up with my date of birth to be 13 or I go down my date of birth to be 13? Oh, heck with it. I'll just put in 2000. That'll get me in. Last week, I had a kid in my in one of my classes. I put 1999 just to be sure. So I'll ask your, your audience, if they put in 2000 as their date of birth, how old are they today? Man, you, you keep asking me to do math and forget what you said the first time. I'm going to end the call. Uh, 23. So now I have 9, 10, 11-year-olds running around TikTok, Snapchat, and Instagram as 23-year-olds. Who do you think is going to come talk to them, parents? Adults, because they're 23. Who do you think is going to send them inappropriate pictures and videos? Adults, because your child told everybody they're 23. Who's going to ask your 9, 10, 11-year-old to take naked pictures? Adults, because your child's 23 now. So you see, when you're not involved in their social media, when you're not helping them and have technology talks, and you're just thinking, my kid would never do that. No, the real answer, you're hoping they wouldn't do anything. Okay? So here's the second thing that parents set their children up for failure. Out of the 300 internet predators that I've ever arrested, right? The common denominator when I had a real victim and I wasn't playing an undercover role, when I had a real victim, the common denominator is I had a parent allowing their child to charge their devices in their rooms at night. So when you allow your child to have their devices in the rooms at night, you're sleeping. They shut the door so you can't hear them. There's no need to talk. It's typing, reading, and performing. That is when your kids get victimized. Those devices need to be put in the parents' rooms at night and only given to the child when they wake up in the morning to go to school. So please, parents, you need to run the roost of this technology. Another problem that I have with parents is the parent technology talk, okay? So the technology talk with parents, between parents and kids, and the reason why parents do this is because that's what our parents did to us. If our parents didn't want us to do drugs, go drinking over there, hang out with those people, they would threaten us, right? They would say, if you go there, if I catch you doing this, or if you're ever doing drugs, I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to do that to you. And so what do we do as parents? Because our parents did that to us. If you ever take bad pictures, send bad videos, cyber bully anybody, do anything bad on that phone, have bad conversations, you're going to be grounded. I'm taking your phone away. You're going to flip phone. You're going to, you're not going to hang out with your friends. You're not going to go, go to practice. You're going to be home for a month. So because our kids are 23 years old and they interact with adults, especially at night in their bedrooms, when they get catfished and they're in real serious trouble now, I ask this question to all my students, are you going to go to your parents for help? And they all say, absolutely not. They're just going to handle it with all the experience they have as a 23-year-old. And this is where they get deeper and deeper into trouble. Yeah, and I'd love to jump in. I appreciate you giving me a second and really reinforce that point. I'm not in any place to tell somebody what their family value should be, how they should raid their family. I mean, I think there's things we should all agree on, but everybody has their own way to do it. Okay, fine. But parenting through fear, 
creating a, a child who blindly obeys through fear. Once I was having lunch with a, a group of business associates and there was a kid in the back, a very young child who was upset. And one of the business people I was with turned around and looked at us and said, my kid knew better than to act like that. He was afraid of me. And I think I don't have a good comeback from that because all I can say is how did that work out for you? How many critical conversations that could have had a positive impact on your kid's life didn't happen because your son was afraid of you? Yes. Focus on the issue, not the resolution. Focus on, uh, not the consequences. Yeah, I'm sorry. I said that wrong. Focus on the issue, not the person. Focus on the resolution, not the consequences. In our house, we have a rule. No one gets in trouble for telling the truth. The actions have consequences. The telling of the truth doesn't. But it's very easy. And maybe it's because how our parents talked to us when we were younger. That it's very easy to think we scared somebody straight. There's wonderful TV right. shows and internet videos that make us believe that that works. All we do is we scare people away from telling us the truth. We don't scare them away from their curiosity, pulling them into things that maybe they know they shouldn't do. We just scare them out of telling us the truth right. when that happens. So I would love for you to please, now that I interrupted you on a That's show okay. called listening, um, <laughs> I would love for you to please continue and expand on techniques for parents to talk to kids in order to help them feel more comfortable sharing embarrassing information that could be associated with consequences. So let's start with, um, let, let's start with uh, um, monitoring. Okay. Let me give you some stats. Um, one internet predator, just one can have up to 250 victims in their lifetime. One. So if your child is a victim, Understand there's 10 others at that point in time. Okay. So like uh, two months ago, I was in uh, John Day, Oregon, 5,000 people, right? So my message of empowerment to the kids is no one has the right to make you feel bad about yourself online. No one has the right to make you do something you know you shouldn't be doing like sextortion. Okay. If you're sitting here suffering in silence. And you're you're you are like freaking out what I'm telling you because everything I'm saying is happening to you right now. You need to come to me because I can stop your pain. Because when it comes to social networking and gaming, ladies and gentlemen, no one online is anonymous. No one. There's no one I cannot find. The farthest I went to make an arrest was Finland by one of the most prolific hackers of our time. He actually swatted my house and swatted a an FBI agent's house I was working with. So understand that there's nobody I cannot find when it comes to social media and gaming online. Please understand that. So when I ask kids, if you, you know, if your technology talk with your parents goes go something like this, if you do this, if you do that, you're going to be grounded on taking your phone away. You're going to flip phone. The door's going to call attention to your bedroom. If you ever do that, ah, right? I asked the kids, how many of your parents had a technology talk like that with you? 80% raised their hand. So when you're catfished, I ask them, or when you are maybe fell for someone, maybe you're in love with someone, they got pictures of you now, are you going to go to your parents? And they all say, absolutely not. Because of the way we parent our children when it comes to technology. Now, I have a program called the Golden Ticket Rule. What the Golden Ticket Rule says, it's a Golden Ticket Pass. 
you're going to throw all those threats out the window and you're going to sit down with your kids. Not only are you going to go through their social media, look at their profile. So they're not 23, right? You need to start over when you start over and put them back into that 13 to 17 year old range on every social media platform. Any adult 18 years of age can, can't talk to them, can't search them, can't send them anything if they have a 13 to 17-year-old profile, okay? Please understand how important that is. And you're going to sit down with your child and you're going to say, look, I know we threatened you uh, by this, about that. I had no idea. I heard this detective speak at the school. I had no idea what was going on. If someone makes you feel bad about yourself or catfishes you or you make a wrong decision, You need to come to us because we're responsible for you need to come to us. And if you come to us and tell us the truth, we're going to give you that golden ticket and there will be no consequences. And they're going to look at you like, huh? Yes, no consequences. Now, as parents, it doesn't mean we can't redefine their boundaries, right? Redefine redefine their geofence. So we may have to start over with the social networks that they're using to put an appropriate date, date, uh, birthday. We may have to put monitoring software on their cell phones, right? And we'll have a discussion about that right after this. Um, But there's not going to be any consequence because changing their profile isn't a consequence. Monitoring shouldn't be a consequence. And, you know, having the technology talk, and here's what I tell my kids all the time. If at any time you ever lock your parents out of your device and change the code on them, That's a consequence. Let me tell you why. A couple of years ago, I went and did a parent presentation down in Southern Illinois. And um, the chief and the sheriff took me to dinner right before it. And so I leaned over to the chief and I said, chief, who's doing your cyber investigations at your police department? He goes, oh, I only have one full-time detective and a a part-time detective. Um, They, you know, I don't have the money for training. I can't, they don't have enough time to go to training. I just tell them we can't help them or I send them to the FBI or state police. I said, well, that's unfortunate because you should have somebody that's trained up. So I gave him my card. I said, if we ever need anything, give me a call. He goes, fine. That was a Thursday night. The following Monday morning, one of his detectives calls me and says, are you Detective Wistaki? And I said, yeah, how can I help you? Because my chief told me to call you. I said, sure. What do you got? And I was heading out to go teach at the academy. And uh, he goes, well, I'm over my skis on this. I don't know what to do. I said, I'm I'm here to help you. What's going on? He goes, well, I had two 12-year-olds on Snapchat. One of them thought it would be a good idea and funny to talk the other one into committing suicide. And she did it. She's dead. I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, all right. Well, um, did you see the messages on Snapchat? He goes, no. I'm like, no. I said, you got the devices, right? And he goes, yeah. I said, so why can't you see the messages? He said, the kids changed the code. I can't see the messages in the Snapchat account. It took us six months to pop that device. So again, if you ever change the code on your device so your parents can't get in, that's a consequence. So that's the kind of initial talk that I want parents to have. And also, so all full disclosure, I'm part of the Bark team. Bark.us. Bark is probably one of the most best monitoring softwares out there uh, for devices. Okay, so here's the breakdown. So if you're thinking, if anybody in your audience is thinking about getting your kid a cell phone, 
for Christmas, make it an Android or a Bark phone. Do not buy them an iPhone. As parents, you can have whatever phone you want, but the Target phone needs to be a Android or a Bark phone. Let me tell you why. Please. Apple doesn't allow real-time monitoring of their devices. You can put Bark on it, but there's something called an onboarding process you have to go through. So you take your charging wire, hook it up to your computer, to your cell phone, to your router at home, and it sends a text message to the phone. You download the program, and what happens is it reconfigures the phone and makes it think that your Wi-Fi is the cloud. So only when your child comes home and hits the Wi-Fi will you get alerts as to what happened. If you have an Android, now you can Google what Bark monitors, and you can pull up, and it goes through um, Bark phone, Android, iPhone, iOS, and you can see. You cannot, in an iPhone, you cannot see anything in the social media. Nothing. You can see Instagram on one side, but not the other side. So. If you have an Android, it's real-time monitoring. So if it violates any of the policies like self-harm, drinking, drug, sex, extortion, emojis for drug dealing, it'll send you an alert that there's been a violation. You need to go check it. Whether your kid sent it out or your kid received it, it'll give you exactly immediately what happens. On the best program is the Bark phone. The Bark phone it gives you full control of what your kid can do on their cell phone. It is an Android phone, but Bark is built into it. You can get into every social network. You can see their text messages. You can see where they're going on social media. You can see what they're searching on YouTube. You can see everything. Again, you are responsible for your kid's technology. It's not a violation of privacy because there's no such thing as their privacy. You are their parent. The only kids who get victimized are the parents who don't go in their social media and monitor. So please understand this, guys. You need to monitor. So we created a documentary. It's on YouTube. It's called Childhood 2.0. The Bark team is comprised of uh, myself, attorneys, judges, probation. It consists of um, psychologists, psychiatrists, emergency room pediatricians, um, it's, it's a whole gamut of people who deal with the protection of children. And so we created a motion picture documentary. It's called childhood 2.0 childhood 2.0. It's on YouTube. It's an hour and a half. And what it shows is what elementary junior high and high school students are doing behind their parents' backs and the conversations that parents need to be having with their kids. So here's my advice. I would like your viewing audience to watch it themselves without their kids. If you think your kid can handle the content that's in there, watch it with them. Be able to pause it. Now, when you watch it with them, here's what you don't want to do. You see a topic that comes up like sextortion, right? And if you hit pause and say, you're not doing this, are you? What do you think they're going to say? Nope. Yep. So what the appropriate approach is, pause, tell me what you know about this. And now you're going to get the intel. Well, I heard Sarah and Jimmy were doing this, and I heard Jan does this, and I heard this does this, and you're going to get the intel. Now you kind of know 
that your kid knows about it and has experienced it. Now you have to set the guardrails up to have a, a meaningful conversation about if something like that happens. Yeah. So if God forbid there's something that does happen to your kid that you find out through these conversations, right? There are five things that parents need to obtain for the police. I don't know if you want me to get into that now, Mike. Yeah, let's let's do it in one second. Okay. Um, I want to c- touch on two things really quick. Like sure. One, actually, just one for right now. Then we're gonna get right back to it because that's very important. I do feel like, and we talked a little bit about this before we went live, that you still work in law enforcement. I supported law enforcement. I never wore a badge, but I have insight into what it takes to conduct a successful law enforcement investigation. A lot of people don't. So when something does happen, they don't know what they need to preserve, what they need to share, what they need to define. And so getting that real quick will be important. I just wanted to jump in, support everything that that you're saying, of course. I can imagine for parents listening, it can be really hard for them to think, well, wait a minute. If I want to raise a responsible, independent, free-thinking adult who can make the right decision under pressure and positively contribute to society, then if I'm monitoring every single thing they do, how are they going to be able to do that? That's the question that I don't have an answer for today. But if we don't monitor everything they do within a certain window at a certain age in their life, they might not live long enough or have the, the opportunities to develop into those adults that we want them to be. So finding that balance for each family might be difficult, but certainly erring on the side of caution, especially with social media and being a little bit too heavy with the monitoring and I have a a horrible story I can share after is better than not sharing enough or not monitoring enough. The one thing I wanted to add was on the asking question piece, you know, asking, what do you know about this is a great question to ask as opposed to, are you doing this? Everybody knows the only acceptable answer is no. So that's what they're going to say. Congratulations. Um, but another potential question to ask could be, what do you think someone would need to experience or what do you think would cause somebody to participate in something like this? So now we're taking the blame off of the person. And if they say, well, if somebody's boyfriend was pressuring them or if somebody's friends were doing it, or if somebody was talking to another person online for like six months and they thought they had a really good relationship or somebody mailed them a gift or somebody gave them a now, as a parent, you start going, oh, shit, like, like this is all textbook grooming behavior. How do they know this? And now we can start backdooring it. Is it them? Is it one of their friends? Do I need to get Sally's mom on the phone? Like Again, I don't want to start pulling threads. But if we can ask what would cause somebody or what would someone need to experience or what would someone need to feel, it gives us the back door into the issue as opposed to going straight for the issue itself. I'll get out of the way. God forbid something like this happens. What are the five things that they need to make sure they have together so the perpetrator can be caught? Okay, so so let me let me answer your question about how do our kids get involved in this, okay? And parents really have a hard time believing that their kid would manufacture their own child porn, okay? There's two things that have developed over the last three, four years with our teenagers. First thing is OnlyFans, right? The, the, the allure of having an OnlyFans account doing sexual stuff for your audience when you have online influencers making millions of dollars from sexual people, right? And, and getting your child to do bad stuff, right? The second thing that has happened is the new dating. When you're dating, asking for nudes to our kids is no big deal. 
Okay. And that's a problem. So when I talk to, to my junior high, my eighth graders and high school students, because I have a different program for elementary, it's the theme is it's okay to tell. And when I talk to fifth, sixth, and seventh, or sixth and seventh and eighth graders, junior high, it's all about gaming and sextortion. When I teach high school students, it's all about dating. It's all about scholarship. It's all about getting a job. And what they do now in their high school years can affect their future. That's what that that's what that's about. So when I when I talk to my high school students, and some of you think that Terry Newts with your boyfriend or girlfriend is no big deal. But ask yourself this question. Is my boyfriend and girlfriend in January my same boyfriend and girlfriend in September? And you got the girl saying, oh, yes. And boys are just like, oh, hell no. Right. So <laughs> so what happens is they said, absolutely not. You guys are going to experience all kinds of relationships. But ask yourself this question. What happens to my nudes after we break up? Do they expire? No. Do they disappear? No. What if what what if what happens with their new boyfriend and girlfriend goes into their device and finds that they're keeping the naked pictures of their exes? What happens then? They get distributed, right? They get distributed on websites, on social media. Now your pictures are out there, right? So um when it when it comes to sextortion, I'm I'm launching a new um, social media initiative to stop sextortion. Okay. And this is the first time I'm talking about it in the public because I'm coin, I'm coining a term and, and actually Fox news just called me this morning. I'm going to be on the channel tomorrow. Um, in my classes, the common denominator of every sextortion case is this happens to boys as much as it happens to girls, but boys it's for financial gain from from traffickers but nonetheless um what happens is they meet someone on their gaming platform and roblox is notorious for this and then they take them over to discord and one of the warning signs i give my kids if someone takes you off your gaming platform to go to private chat they are not who they say they are because they had something okay to say to you why not say it on the program why do i have to go over there that's a cue sign that they're about to be victimized so when we come to victimization, um, the kids, uh, they, they've been playing with this person in Roblox or Minecraft for the past two months, right? Then they get them over to, to private chat. And when they get them over to private chat, the person they've been playing with says, hey, let's go over to WhatsApp and talk. So they go over to WhatsApp or they go over to Discord. And then they will send their friend that they've been playing with for so long, two months, so long, three or four pictures and videos of themselves naked. Okay. And so your child is like, oh, is that how it is? And then the follow-up, when they send those naked pictures and videos is this. Now you owe me one pick. Okay. Now the common denominator of all 100 arrests I've made for sextortion, every single one of them, after they received a picture from someone who they thought they were, but they're actually being catfished. It's not really the person is you owe me one pick. And if we're not having that technology talk with our kids, making them watch childhood 2.0, here's their thought process. Well, I've been playing with this person in Roblox for so long, two months, so long. I don't want to upset them. 
They say I owe them one pick. Mm, okay. Maybe I don't want to, uh, you know, I, 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 if they say, no, it's the big deal. I'll just give them a boob shot. And they send it, right? Three days later, that friend they've known for so long, two months, says, hey, how do you like your new Instagram account I made of you with your boob shot on it and your name on it? I'm going to send this to your church. I'm going to send this to your family. I'm going to send this to the school if you don't make me videos of you doing bad stuff all the time. And you're like, kids like, oh my God, this is what I thought it was. He's going to, and they actually do copy their contact and send it to the family member. And the family member contacts the kid like, what are you doing? Why am I getting this? Like, oh my God, I got to go tell my parents. Oh, wait, if I tell my parents, you're going to be grounded. I'm taking your phone away. You're not going to see the light of day. I can't tell my parents. I don't want to be grounded. I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to lose my phone. He says, if I make one video, that sexual stuff in it, he's going to leave me alone. I'll just make the video. Remember that frontal cortex, right? I'll just make the video. I'll be fine. They make the video. It's never one video. It's never one picture. It'll continue, continue, continue to your child has a nervous breakdown. They can't, they can't get out of it. So I'll ask you this, Mike. There was a sextortion study done by We Are Thorn, Demi Moore, National Kutcher's group. They interviewed over 1,600 teenagers. Guess who are the people who do this? 60% of the suspects is someone your kid goes to school with or grew up with. 40% of them are someone they met on a social network or a gaming platform. But the common denominator in all of it was, you owe me one pick. So I give kids a warning sign, two warning signs, right? If someone takes you off your gaming platform to go to private chat, they are not who they say they are. The second warning, if they send you inappropriate pictures and videos, and then they say, you owe me one pick, here's what the response is going to be. I want you to type back to them, I don't owe you Jack, and delete them. So when I get the kids in, in the whole auditorium, so if somebody sends you, you owe me one pick. What do you say? I don't know you, Jack. What? I don't know you, Jack. What? And and I, I give them this kernel of a trigger, right? That now, if somebody ever tells them you owe me one pick, they know what it is. Like I'll teach sixth and seventh graders, right? Three years later, four years later, I'll go to their high school and they'll see me. They'll see me setting up and say, hey, detective, I don't know you, Jack. And I'm like, yeah, you remembered. So we're going to have a whole campaign after the first of the year. Hashtag, I don't know you, Jack. One of my schools who make t-shirts for, uh, um, like they do a whole thing. They have a whole whole um, marketing um, stuff. And they said, hey, we'd like to make a t-shirt for you. I said, you know what? Let's have a contest. So all these kids, uh, they're going to go up in groups. And they're going to make the best and the best T-shirt that we have. They're going to get a $300 cash prize for the best T-shirt. And we're going to mass manufacture these Terry shirts. It's going to have to have, of course, our logo. It's going to say, you owe me one pick. And then somewhere it's going to say, I don't know you, Jack. Hashtag, I don't know you, Jack. So we're going to have a full campaign on that. So if God forbid for your audience, if any of your kids have to go through this, there are five things you need to do. Here we go. 
The first thing is I need screen captures of everything, of the chat, the profile, what she said, was he said, the pictures, the video, screen capture, screen capture, screen capture, everything, and print them out and make them a file. Screen capture everything, print them out and make them a file. Number two, I need the user ID. And in my class, I show what the user IDs look like. So for example, in TikTok, it's at, and then the name, in X or Twitter, it's at, and then the name. If it's in Snapchat, it's not the top name, it's the bottom name in the profile. Um, if you're in Instagram, it's the name at the top. I need the user ID. If I don't have the user ID, I can't do the case. Number three. So I need screen captures, user IDs, number three. The worst advice, law enforcement officers who have not been trained or school officials that they give kids is they'll say this. Oh, just report it to the social network. They'll take care of everything. That is the worst thing you can do if you want us to find out who it is. Because here's what happens. If you report the incident to the abuse section of the social network and it's a violation of their terms of service or TOS, they will delete the account. And then you go report it to the police and we go do subpoenas and search warrants on that account. What are we going to get back? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Now, number four, if there has been no contact of a provoking nature, like your son or daughter hadn't met with this person, your son or daughter did not make the child pornography, um, because if they did, you'd have to go to someplace called the CAC, the Child Advocacy Center, where a special person will interview your son or daughter and get the information that way. If that did not happen, okay? I need a detailed type statement as to what happened from start to finish and how it made them feel. So for example, I was in Roblox. My gamer tech was this. I was gaming with person gamer tech so-and-so. We played for two months and he took me over to Discord and the Discord direct messages or DM. He sent me these pictures. He says, you owe me one pick and then and blah, 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 blah. And this is how it made me feel. So I need a detailed statement as to what happened, how it made him feel. Number five, I need all of these items printed up and the digital portion of that saved on a flash drive. Not one flash drive, two flash drives, because sometimes cops lose stuff. So you need to keep one as backup. So let's recap. Screen captures of everything, user IDs of, of the suspects and the victim. If there's been no contact of a, a provoking nature, okay, uh, I need a detailed type statement as to what happened, how it made them feel. Um, do not report it to the social network, to the abuse section. If you want the police to find out who it is, if you don't want the police involved, go ahead and report it to the abuse section. And number five, print everything out, make them a file, put it in two flash drives. Now you're going to go to your police departments and you have the printouts and the flash drive. Well, let me caution all of you. Remember I said that one internet predator can have 250 victims in their lifetime. There's two reasons for that. Number one is the NMK syndrome, because when parents are not checking, they are really um, adding to the um, success of the predator. And number two, which is a big one, there are probably 70% of the law enforcement officers who have no idea in patrol how to take a cybercrime report. And that's a problem. If you go and Google uh columbus ohio police department uh 11 year old sextorted you will see a video there of two officers who were four hours late 
Where's 11-year-old who are being victimized by an internet predator, okay? The dad called the police, and the first thing the police says, if you want this report, mister, we're going to arrest your daughter for taking the pictures. You still want the report? The dad says, she's 11. It doesn't matter. She's still taking the pictures and making her own child porn. And he's like, have a good day. Unfortunately, because we are not training our patrol officers, and how to take a cybercrime report and child exploitation, this happens all the time. So police officers, they don't know what to say or they, so they just go with the gut, right? Well, I don't want to take this report. If I take this report, I'm going to have to spend hours here. So I'm just going to blame the victim and they victimize the victim twice, once by the predator and then once by the police. So we have to be training. So your vast audience out there, Mike, we need to get your police departments trained in how to take a cybercrime report. And that's a huge issue in and of itself and a message that hopefully begins to resonate and spread because crime evolves and, if, and the crime evolves, period. But specifically, crime with technology involves the victims evolve, generations change in law enforcement. And we're always going to be behind, but let's reduce the steps behind we are as we Correct. try to take care of the victims. And as we talk about predators, it's very important for people to remember that predators typically trade on fear and that fear is typically of embarrassment and or violence and sometimes the combination of both. So, and they also predators generally don't like to work for their food. That's why they're targeting young people. That's why they're targeting people potentially with cognitive challenges. So now you've got people, the frontal cortex isn't developed to the degree that it needs to be. They're scared. They're scared of being embarrassed or their family being embarrassed. They're scared of themselves or somebody they love getting hurt. And the person threatening to hurt them, by the way, if it's physical violence, it could be on the other side of the world. Like it's, it's just not going to happen, but they're right. trying to scare you with it. So now that fear of embarrassment or that fear of violence stops them from coming forward. As parents or family members, guardians, I coach youth sports, whoever it is, my wife works for a company where there's a, a ch child component and there's a duty to report and all of these things. If somebody brings information to you, it's easy for us to immediately go to that protection from embarrassment because that's how our brains are wired. From my investigation background, I truly believe in so many ways, the quality of the written statement or written uh, report is paramount because yes. there are little details in there that can make the difference in the case. Right. And if you're a parent, God forbid you have to talk to somebody, a, a child, your child about what happened. I get that your brain wants to shut off, ignore, rationalize away. As I can only imagine what you have had to hear from people as you've taken these reports and how you have to go through statement after statement. The friends that I've had in law enforcement sometimes just be in the ear for them to vent to as they've taken reports like this. But patiently getting the details in a way that help children save face and feel better about sharing them is what right. is going to bring these cases to a positive resolution. Right. Causing the child to be embarrassed or being too embarrassed ourselves to ask the question is only going to make the situation worse. And to yeah. your point about going to the social media, they have a business to protect. They don't care about your kids. Let's make that clear. Yeah. Um, but number two, predators also know that a lot of their early and mid-stage grooming behavior can sort of be explained away. 
it's not necessarily a crime until they get too far down the line. So a lot of things that if I would look at, but certainly you would look at and say that is grooming behavior. Somebody at a social media company might not think so. Somebody, yeah. an untrained investigator might not, an unaware parent might not think yeah. so. So yeah. getting in on that early is so important. Can you speak a little bit? You talked about um, kids having nervous breakdowns because it's just gotten too far and they can't handle it anymore. Are there earlier stage warning signs that parents can look out for in their children to start realizing that there might be an issue here and determining the best way to get involved? Yeah. And, and, and again, I want to go back to monitoring, right? That's the only way you're really going to know if, if you're monitoring and having the right uh, web filtering. I mean, a lot, you know, I, I teach a class. I've created a way to stop school shootings, right? And um, the read then the premise of my two day class, and it's attended by school officials, which is IT, social workers, counselors, deans, principals, and superintendents. And I mix them with SROs and local law enforcement. So we have about 65 to 70 people in the first day of class. And it's important that I put them all on the same page. So what sometimes parents don't know is that when your son or daughter has an iPad or a Chromebook for a device, right? They are mandated to have web filtering in those Chromebooks. Now, some of the best uh, Chromebook web filtering is uh, Lightspeed, Go Guardian, Content Keeper, and Bark. So when they have these programs, you as a parent can go in the school and say, I want to see the last 30 days of all my actions that my kid has taken on their device. So I, I shore up everybody because some SROs or even some counselors, they, they don't even know what type of web filtering they had or what it does. And there's something called alerts. We want to make sure that every school our kids go to have the licensing for the web filtering to grab alerts. This grabs grooming. This grabs self-harm, sextortion, child exploitation. It monitors all that stuff. And, and what, like, for example, Nicholas Cruz in Parkland, right? In his psychiatrist interview, he was planning his stuff since he was in eighth grade. You know where he planned it? on a Chromebook while he's at school, researching things like Adam Lanza, who did Sandy Hook. And if we're, they don't have these right alerts or the right people that are not attached to that, same thing, not only school device monitoring, personal device monitoring is how you're going to know. You're going to see, if you're not checking that device, right, you're going to see a withdrawal of your child. You're going to see the child becoming uh, more... Um, um, secretive. Okay. Like I, I had talked to a parent last week that, you know, the notes in an iPhone, mm -hmm. they're using notes to communicate and send pictures to each other in grooming. They have vaults in their, in their, uh, in their phones uh, that looks like a calculator. They have something called in their Snapchat, my eyes only. Okay. If you're not checking the my eyes only, uh, let me give you a little tutorial on how to do that. Okay. So I'm going to go to my stats is really important for parents to do this because here's the worst pictures of where your kids are keeping their Snapchat. So um, here's my Snapchat, right? You see, there's a little um, deck of cards to the left of the snap button. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm going to hit that deck of cards. 
And you're going to see, let's see if I can get in here. It'll say home. It'll say uh, camera roll, dream screenshot. See that? Yep. Well, when you roll that over, you're going to see something called my eyes only. I do. When you hit my eyes only and a pad appears like this, mm-hmm. that means your child is already hiding stuff in there. They don't want you. They don't want you to see. Many parents will be lied to. I don't know what that is. Or I set that up years ago. I don't know what that is. They know the code that goes in there. So if parents are not checking that, their kids are doing something that they shouldn't be in their my eyes only. Okay. Now, we also have to understand to deal with your question on how do they get to them and what, what's going to happen. So a lot of people don't, don't realize this. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, we call it NECMEC, okay? Uh, I belonged to uh, something called an ICAC, Internet Crimes Against Children, ICAC. There are 6,000 detectives like myself who are throughout the country. And we have specialized training in how to find predators. Okay. We have four tiers of training. One of those tiers of training that we go to is how to do cyber tips. The National Center Missing Exploited Children has an AI program that runs in the background of every social networking, gaming platform, and cloud service besides Apple in the United States. This is looking for two things. It's looking for something called CSAM, child sex abuse material or child pornography, right? And when there's CSAM, being transferred between two accounts, this AI program flags it, somebody from the company reads it, and if they confirm that it's child pornography, they send all the information on the offending account and the victim's account to the National Center, they do a background on it, and then they will assign that case to one of 6,000 people like myself called a cyber tip. Now, ICAT people are so busy with cyber tips but this is how we're catching predators. The second thing it monitors for is grooming chat between adults and children. So what happens is if there is grooming chat and this program gets triggered or somebody reports it, they've the security agent at the company reads it and they send it to the national center as grooming chat. And then we investigate it. This is how we're catching predators nowadays. It's just so overwhelming because there's so many kids on the social media as young as nine years old that are being victimized. Um, it's, it's, we, that this program is so important to catch these predators, you know? So that's, that's the things that are in place. Well, I'm, I'm grateful for you sharing all of that. And I kind of want to take a plane to Apple and start knocking on people's doors and asking what their problem is, but that's a, a whole second conversation. Um, yeah. grateful for you sharing that because again, as parents and be respectful for everybody's time for the people that are still listening to this conversation. Thank you so much because this is so critical. Very long story short, a couple of years ago, I was introduced to a family that needed help. The person that knew us both knew had an investigations background. So that's where the connection was made. And thankfully I was able to make some phone calls out West to try to get them connected. But long story short, they had a child with some cognitive development and mental health issues. They thought they had done a great job trying to keep that child isolated on the internet. Like most children, they figured out a workaround, found themselves in a situation where the parent could have intervened. The parents say, well, we want to give them their own space, backed off, child disappears. They end up, they're able to track the child down. They know where the child is. 
but now they're rationalizing it away. Maybe it's not trafficking. Maybe they want to be, maybe they're okay. I don't want to get, I want them back, but I don't want to overstep. If I overstep, they won't come back. And all I can think is, you know where it is. How come you haven't driven your truck through the front door yet? Like, like this is what is happening. And all too often as parents, you talk about NMK, even if it's not full blown, it's easy to start rationalizing things that are uncomfortable for us. I don't think that's what it means. I don't think that's what he or she is doing. And so we see a red flag, but we think, well, I don't, I don't want to believe that my child is suffering depression because that's uncomfortable for me. So we rationalize, they're not depressed. They're just having a bad day. So any of these red flags from being withdrawn and, and everybody is different. So some children might be a little bit more withdrawn, introverted, less eye contact, more eye contact, more forthcoming, less forthcoming. Every kid comes home and says, my day was fine. We get it. But if you see deviations from your child's behavioral norm, take action. Yep. Find a way to make them feel more comfortable in the conversation. Change the setting. Change the person having the conversation. If there's a professional, if there's another family member, whatever it is, to make sure that where if something looks different, address it. The, the amount of discomfort we potentially feel could potentially be directly proportionate to the seriousness of the issue. If something doesn't feel right, address it. And it might sound great that there's 6,000 detectives out there but that is what less than 1% of the detectives yes. currently active in the United States of America yes. for what is quickly yes. becoming one of the most popular and dangerous modes of crime. Yep. So to hear that 6,000 detectives are out there on the case, that's not, that's not, not enough. That's like no. saying I have a two by four and I'm going to fix this dam that just busted. Like right. You're, you're right. not going to do it. Please. I beg parents to pay attention, do the research and take action when when you have the opportunity to either make a child feel more or less embarrassed in a difficult conversation, go the less route, figure out how to solve the problem as a family. You, the message that you have is so important. Yeah, I have I have a whole segment on this in my parent presentation, uh, uh, Mike, that you mentioned it. Um, so I train about 4,000 uh, school resource officers in law enforcement per year. And I spend a lot of my time going to 12 different states, being keynotes at, at conferences. And um, here's what I tell them. When a mom comes to you, understand they're not crazy because moms are never wrong. God has given the mom a special instinct, a talent called the maternal instinct. They are never wrong. And I had numerous, numerous moms saying, well, I thought it was this. I had a feeling it was this, but I wanted to give them their space. That's what you're talking about, right? Moms are never wrong. It's like when you say, like say, say you're cooking dinner, right? You're cooking dinner as a mom and your kid comes home from their after-school activities. And what do they say? Uh, how was your day, dear? Fine, right? By the way they walk in the house, by the way they throw down their book bag, by the way they say fine, by the way they come up to you, give you a hug or a kiss or not, by the way they jump up the stairs, go in their bedroom, slam the door, lay in their bed. All they said was fine. And mom is like freaking out. Like a like like daggers, right? Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. And then that thing sitting next to you in a lazy boy chair watching TV, he's rubbing his belly. Oh, you're crazy. The husband, you're crazy. Yeah, she said, no. No. Moms are always right. Because God gave them this talent to know how to protect their babies. 
this special gift is given to them if whether their kid is six months old or 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 40, that shit's never going away. Moms, always trust your instinct. And if you want to know the reason why you're feeling that way, you just gotta look. Because it's all in here. This is their swag. This is their communication. These are their friends. These are everything they do. And if you monitor and look in this, you're going to find the answer. And monitor, look, take the steps, please. And I apologize for all the husbands and dads out there for, on yeah, our I'm behalf. I'm just kidding. I'm for just not kidding. always I'm being wrong. Um, yeah, you know, when you're when you're cleaning that gum, that boyfriend comes over, you know. Uh, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, please make sure it's not loaded first. Yeah. So the, the one thing that I would say to kind of start moving this towards, because I want to set you up in order to share how people can reach you and contact you to get you involved with their organizations to send the message is in our own ways, we've had different paths. So I don't want to make it sound like my path has been the same as yours. That's not, but we've been trained to think like investigators. And because we think like investigators, when things are different, they stand out. When we have questions, we ask them, we'll put the pieces together as opposed to just rushing into something and screwing it all up. They will let the story bring itself together. Thankfully, we live in a world where the majority of people have not had to learn to think like that. So if again, something seems even just a little bit off, start thinking like an investigator. How do we put together pieces of the story in what order over what span of time to make sure that we're putting ourselves in position to influence the outcome of a situation that may need dire assistance. And obviously the earlier we can get involved, the better, but it's never too late. We always have the opportunity to try to create a better outcome. You do so much work. You already mentioned it. 12 states or more keynotes, presentations, kids, parents, law enforcement. I imagine a mix of all of the above. All of these audiences, even if they already believe that they know, can use the refresher. There might be just one thing new. Bring something to top of mind. You've talked about you do a session and somebody comes up to you and says, I'm experiencing this. I'll do a session off the completely different topic and have someone to come up to me and be like, wow, you're talking. It's like, you know, me, I was just dealing with the same conversation. No, it's just kind of the universe getting lucky, but sometimes even just getting out there, we get lucky and we get to solve something like this in real time. Where can people go to find your resources, get in contact with you and your team and get you involved with their family, their organization, their school, their law enforcement, whatever it is. So you go to my website at BeSureConsulting.com, B-E-S-U-R-E, Consulting.com. You can send me an uh, email at Rich Wistocki, W-I-S-T-O-C-K-I, at BeSure, B-E-S-U-R-E, Consulting.com. I'm going to throw out my cell phone number there, 630-461-0044, 630-461-0044. I have an apparent academy online if parents want to get trained. It's called cyberparenting-101.com. Cyberparenting-101.com. And parents can take their own uh, class. As a matter of fact, a couple of the counties in Illinois, if a kid is involved in a cybercrime and they're in court, the judge will mandate that the parents have to take my online class before they come back to be trained on how to watch their kid. So that's my information. Um, you can Google me uh, on YouTube. You can see my TED Talk, which is uh, why it's okay to spy on my kids. And then you can, uh, some school districts actually have recorded my parent session and put them on their websites. So if you want to get a, a taste of 
what the parent presentation is like and you want to bring it to your schools. I go all over the country and we do the parent presentation in English, Spanish, Polish, and Arabic. Being from Chicagoland, of course you do it in Polish. (laughs) (laughs) I, I cannot recommend or stress enough that people check that out. You know, people don't have to love the ideas of everybody that I bring on. People don't have to buy into different ideas. I don't care, but we're talking about our kids. So even if somebody logs onto your website or listens to your Ted talk or goes and watches some of your videos and think, I don't agree with all of that. Fine. What parts do you agree with and how can you keep your kids safer with that? So please, if you've taken the time to listen to this hour long conversation, thank you. Now, what's the next step to help make sure we're keeping our kids safe? And how can we find opportunities to respectfully and appropriately share the message with people in our youth sports teams, in our church, in our community engagement, schools, businesses, whatever it may be? I can't thank you enough for spending the hour with us today. I know you have a lot going on, so I'm truly appreciative of it. I said the could anybody find you was the last question, but especially because this topic is so important, is there, are there any parting thoughts that you want to make sure we get out for the parents in the audience who've listened to us today? It's just so important to bring this information from my website. I have numerous handouts that you can download on my website to bring to your schools, to bring our team in. It's really important to, to, to save our kids. Again, you know, out of the 300,000 kids uh, that I had last year, I had a, I had to start 28 criminal investigations with the local law enforcement there to investigate what the kids came forward with. We need to talk to our kids. We need to bring this information to all the school districts. And guess what? All of the, the funding for this presentation is covered by a grant by the federal government called the SEL grant, the Social Emotional Learning Grant that school districts have all over the country covers exactly what we teach. And and a lot of people don't realize this. For those of you who have weed dispensaries in your communities, there is a fund for education of our kids that the schools and your government has access to. And we've been using that a lot. Very nice. Thank you for sharing. And I will take all the links from this conversation. I will go mine the internet. So when people do listen to this in the show notes, there will be links for them to be able to directly access. They don't have to go hunting around. Detective, thank you so much for sharing your time, your expertise, and your perspective today. It is much needed. I wish you and your team all of the best as you continue to do work that is so critical in our community. Thank you very much. Thanks so much, Mike. Detective Wastocki, thank you so much for such a valuable conversation. Hopefully everybody that listened to that took copious notes are going to follow up on the recommendations for software and programs and partners and different educational opportunities. Hopefully you're going to update some of the changes in how they might talk to their children about the risks, how they might look out for warning signs that their children may be at risk. And then of course, hopefully they use some of these techniques to talk to their kids if they believe their children have been exposed to a predator online. And even the thoughts to follow up and make sure that we're participating with law enforcement and we're saving anything that could be valuable to the investigation. All of those things are so important. So I hope everybody took away a list of things that they could consider, that they can improve, and they can talk to their families with. Detective Wastocki, thank you so very much.
Thank you to everybody that took the time to listen to this conversation. I really appreciate you being here every week. Again, I hope you got tons of value out of that conversation. I know I did, and it changed some of the conversations that I have with my wife and my family as well. Before we leave, we want to thank our sponsors one more time. Head over to humantel.com and enter the code INQUASIVE25 for 25% off of all of their online training programs. Learn how to accurately identify what somebody is likely feeling and when those emotions are changing and what that likely means to you in the context of the conversation all by evaluating their facial expressions and nonverbal behavior. Check it out in Quasive 25 at humantel.com. Also, please head over to certifiedinterviewer.com for the International Association of Interviewers. That's where you can check out their educational calendar. That's when you can peruse their resources. You can check out their membership benefits. And of course, check out the certified forensic interviewer designation. See if you qualify, what it takes to pass the exam, and whether that level of expertise is right for you at the current or next level of your journey. And finally, please check out Inquasive.com. That's where you can learn more about all the customized sessions that we lead for our clients when they ask us to work with typically their HR team, their sales team, a management or leadership team to help them maximize the power of their observations and apply strategic and ethical persuasion techniques in order to help strengthen relationships and encourage people to share sensitive information under vulnerable circumstances in the face of consequences. All of that and more at Inquasive.com. And if you're enjoying these conversations about listening and communication and you want to learn more about the disciplined listening method, the research behind it, the examples, the techniques, how to apply it personally and professionally, you can buy a copy of the book, The Disciplined Listening Method, at both Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Thank you so much for coming back every week. We really appreciate it. Please subscribe to the show, like the show, share the show, give us your feedback, leave your comments, We'd love to hear what you'd like to hear more of, maybe even hear less of, so we can integrate it into what we do. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you again, Detective Wostocki. Please stay safe, take care of each other, and we'll see you next time. Thank you very much.